ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The Drive. Elmore deep, left side three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome into the Friday, April 26th edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Coming up this hour, I haven't talked to him in a while. He's a great son of Marshall. Also, he covers a lot of Ohio State, covers the state of Ohio. Jared Smalley joining us at NBC4 coming up in a little bit. We'll talk about last night's action between the Columbus Blue Jackets. They lose to the Boston Bruins 3-2 in overtime, so we're going to talk about that. We'll get his thoughts on the NBA, and of course, uh, I more want to get his thoughts on last night's round one of the NFL draft. So we'll get to him in a few minutes, talk to him about all of that. We'll get your phone calls in a little bit later on. The Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-8255. That is 877-420-TALK. Miller Lite, hold true, great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. So where do we start? Of course, yesterday was a, a kind of a crazy night. A lot of people going to see movies. A lot of people going to stay home, watch hockey, of course, NFL draft, that was a thing yesterday. It's a thing again today. It's a thing again on Saturday. Now, yesterday was a, a gigantic spectacle, round one. It took all night to get through round one. Now, round two and three will be tonight. We'll have coverage of that for the most part right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. we got baseball coming up tonight. So we'll stay with the draft as long as we can. Then we'll take you out to the West Coast as the Pirates are in action. Uh, we go on the air about 9.40 tonight with that. And then day three, Saturday, everybody else gets drafted. And that's where a lot of players are projected that you're interested in. Of course, uh, we're talking Marshall. A lot of West Virginia players may be projected to go today, tomorrow as well. I'm kind of curious to see where, we're, where Will Greer goes. Um, a lot of quarterbacks taken that first day, not Will Greer. So I'm interested to see if he's maybe a high selection. He goes early in that second round. Somebody gets some value out of him. The Bengals do not take a quarterback, signaling that they are solid right now with Andy Dalton. Um, Jonah Williams from Alabama going to put a little uh, muscle up front and trying to protect Mr. Dalton, a little bit better on. So uh, that's where that pick ended. Round one, pick 11. It was funny. The Steelers move up, and I'm sitting there going, okay, this can't be good. It seemed to be okay. It worked out fine. But the Bengals going uh, a little bit on, let's beef up the offensive line. Let's get some protection out there. Let's make sure that we keep our quarterback upright. If you're going to go after a quarterback, was this the year to take a quarterback and try to bolster that position, maybe transition on? Or is Andy Dalton, is there enough there that you can maybe make a run with him? You try to get a few good years out of him, or do you cut your losses and get someone in now? If I'm a new coach, of course, I would like to have the luxury of having a quarterback that's fresh, new, can work with him. The fans are probably going to be a little bit more tolerant, understanding that, okay, I got a new quarterback here. We're trying to get him ready for the next uh, several years, trying to make a run of this thing. So if we don't start winning right away, it's going to be okay. I mean, you go that route or you stick with a guy like Andy Dalton. You stick with Andy Dalton, I don't know how much of an expectation you're going to have there as far as the fans 
Are they excited? Okay, let's see what this guy can do with Dalton. Are they behind him? Or is this going to be a situation where, uh, you know, more of the same? We don't know. Day two will be interesting because the Bengals have picks at the number 42 position and the number 72 position. That's round two and round three, respectively. So a lot to get into there. And, of course, we're going to talk here in a few minutes with Jared. We're going to talk a little bit about that Columbus Blue Jackets game. Bruins and the Blue Jackets going to overtime. Bruins now lead that series early one game to none. Other game last night as well. See, that was kind of hard for me. I'm flipping back and forth. Usually, the draft's like one day or two. There's not really much going on. Instead, okay, let's watch some hockey, playoff hockey. Ratings are up, by the way. The ratings are up best in several years. And, of course, a lot of that, I think, is you had some Game 7s you throw in there. You had lots of overtimes. People like close games. Lots of excitement. Uh, some hard hitting, some fighting, everything that you used to like about hockey, and maybe you still do. A lot of that was going on, and NBC and their network pretty much benefited from it. Now, I'm curious to see what Game 2 looks like for these two teams that we saw last night, or these four teams, I'm sorry, and then what we got coming up tonight. We've got a couple of games coming up tonight. Game 1 will be in Barclays Center, Carolina Hurricanes at the New York Islanders. I don't know. Do you take that off the island? You go back to to Brooklyn? Uh, I don't know if I'd do that. We'll see. I don't want to mess with the magic. And then we have got Carolina and New York introing the, I think it's going to be a really fun series, Colorado and San Jose. The Avalanche and the Sharks. That's going to be your 10 p.m. series tonight starting game one there. But I'm interested. Carolina and New York. Carolina showed a lot of grits beating the defending Stanley Cup champions. I think a lot of people were tuning in just to see the fact that the Stanley Cup champions were on the ropes and could be eliminated. I think that's what everybody was watching to see. Does anyone like Washington? I mean, I know a couple of guys, but they don't know any better. But other than that, does anyone like Washington, the Capitals? I think you got a fun series here, Carolina and New York, and, of course, Colorado and San Jose. That should be fun. We're going to talk hockey here in a few minutes. Jared Smalley is going to join me from NBC4. I'm looking forward to talking to him. We're going to touch on everything, touch on a little playoff hockey. I'm going to get his draft thoughts, especially when it comes to the Bengals, the AFC North, potential draft picks round two, round three, Ohio State, Everything we can talk about, we're going to take the most uh, efficient route to getting to all of that when we continue with today's edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Friday, April 26th edition. The drive continues on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Uh, I try to save this card for a special time. When I uh, when I pull this card out of the deck and play it, that means uh, I got a lot to get into. And Jared Smalley is that card. He's sort of like my uh, ace in the hole sometimes. He joins us now from NBC4. He's the sports director there. He is been covering Ohio State and and everything that you love about the state of Ohio, uh, like the Bengals, the Reds, the Thundering Herd. 
Yes, that's right. He does cover the Thundering Herd in the great city of Columbus. He joins us now on the program as well. That's what I love about you. You do work it in sometimes. You know, I mean, I'm, I haven't covered a Marshall game since 2003, but uh, don't think I wouldn't try. You know what I mean? I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm good for the brand. I think you probably are the Columbus division of the brand in your own way. <laughs> That's right. Self-proclaimed, huh? <laughs> well, let's put it this way. You rep the herd a lot. You um, you defend the honor of uh, of the school, especially when it comes to um, some of your uh, Bobcat coworkers. Uh, so I get that. Yes. I respect that. Yep. And my Bobcat spouse. Yeah, I'm married to a Bobcat, so it all kind of it's all encompassing. But you know, sir, that was a personal choice. Though. All right. Yeah, I mean, oh no, and it, and it was a good choice. Yeah, it was a good choice, but you know, you have to take the good and the bad. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited for this season. That's for sure. I'm not going to I'm not going to talk too much about it, you know, in Columbus locally. But I know what's up. We've we've got a squad coming back. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later on, but. Uh, I figured um, this is a great day to have you on because not only do I get to talk a little hockey with you, we can talk Cincinnati Bengals draft, we can talk Ohio State in the draft as well. Uh, Yesterday had to be a great day for you. You just probably had so many stories just coming your way, so many things happening. Uh, The newscast, all the reporting, it just basically wrote itself. Well, so I'm in Boston right now, obviously with the Blue Jackets and, and what's going on with them. It's a very cool thing that's happening. And it, it was just an amazing scenario last night. So game one's playing out uh, about midway through game one. Again, we're in Boston. We get word that John Havlicek died. And, you know, Havlicek is one of the great Ohio State legends of all time. If you have to rate, uh, you know, maybe top 10, top five athletes in the history of that school, as incredible an athletic history as it has, Havlicek is definitely in that discussion. Uh, most assuredly in the top 10 and, and possibly in the top five all-time greats at Ohio State. And then obviously his legendary career here in Boston. So those two worlds collided. Um, those stories and is interesting in the room here. Everybody was talking about, you know, how, um, you know, his passing would resonate in both cities while everybody else is also watching the NFL draft and tracking all that. So, uh, yeah, madness around here. Um, just uh, a lot of busy people. But, uh, you know, that, Paul, that's why we're paid millions. What? Millions? What? Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm not, apparently I made a mistake there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, uh, I, I, I didn't get that in my contract. Maybe I need you to renegotiate no. it for me. No, you don't need me. That's for sure. <laughs> Terrible at it. So you get to go. Whatever. You get to go cover uh, the Blue Jackets, which has um, been one of the amazing stories. Uh, I, I had Tampa Bay in my bracket. I'm a little still stung by that. Uh, I had to go fill out a second mm-hmm. chance bracket now in the NHL. Um, but despite my feelings, uh, the Blue Jackets are one of the big stories of the NHL playoffs. Yeah, it's been fun uh, to follow. Uh, you know, and it's not just. The players are professionals. You know, this is what they do, and it's, uh, you know, they expect to have great success uh, because it's what they work all year to do. They work all year for this time of year to uh, to play well and to advance. But it's really more a story about the city and the fan base. You know, you're talking about a team that's 19 years old, and they've they've had nothing, nothing for two decades, nothing to celebrate, um, no real lasting meaningful accolades. Uh, that fans can kind of hang their hat on and say, this is our team. This is why we're proud of this team. It's never happened. 
And as simple as it sounds, but just winning a playoff series was this cathartic event for Blue Jackets fans. There is a good fan base of, of Columbus Blue Jackets fans. You have to remember, I mean, not only the, you know, Columbus is a big city, uh, relatively speaking. It's about 2 million people. When you come to Boston, you realize, you know, it's not that big a city. But, you know, relatively speaking, it is a big city, 14th biggest city in America. But it's not just in Columbus. There's a fan base that goes, I got buddies that, uh, that I know very well from West Virginia, uh, from the Huntington area, who I, people I went to high school with, who are huge Jackets fans. And this is an enormous deal to them. So regionally, it's very important for them um, to not just have a little success, a little taste of it. They want sustained success. And this is the first step to that. If they can get even in the series with Boston and, and obviously go back home for games three and four next week and make a run at it, it starts to get more real. And, and that's what they need, Paul. They have to keep building this thing. And you earn your respect in the NHL, and you earn it by winning when it matters most. And that's what Columbus is trying to set out to do. It's been a long time coming, and maybe that's really the bigger story is the fan reaction to it and the national and international reaction to it because uh, the wait's been too long, frankly. Has this overshadowed? Now, I, I know we're in different seasons, but the NFL draft's a big deal, and you've got Dwayne Haskins. That's a big deal as well. Did this overshadow that, or was it uh, sharing the stage, the spotlight at the same time? Yeah, I don't think you rank them. I just think they're both important. You know, I think what what happened with Haskins last night and the Giants deciding not to take him at six and then take a quarterback uh, is just an extraordinary move. And if you if you ever saw Dwayne Haskins play in in college, and if you ever saw Jones from Duke play in college and wonder how one gets picked over the other. Good luck to the Giants. I, I don't. I have absolutely no idea what their thought process is, and you can tell by the the national reaction to that pick um, what the world thinks of that uh, that act of brilliance. Uh, but that's good fortune for Washington, and you know they'll have an opportunity to win a lot of football games. Dwayne, he is a special player, so that was more the conversation of not just you know we knew he was going to go somewhere that would be a, a, a place that would be. Uh, eager to have a new starting quarterback in the lineup, and he's going to be that guy. Uh, but it's just such a weird way it played out. In Ohio State, you know, when you look at, at covering the team, the NFL drafts a huge deal every year because they always have at least a couple guys who are going to go in the first round. And then tonight, with rounds two and three, there's going to be at least three to four more who are going to come off the board. Probably seven to eight will get picked in the uh, in the draft, and it's just kind of an average year for Ohio State in terms of the draft. So. Um, yeah, in terms of ranking those stories, they're all big. Uh, I don't know that one was bigger than the other, um, but you know, certainly it was uh, it was a sign that they continue to be a factory. I thought it got bigger. It was just business as usual for me. The NFL draft was that thing that okay, this is going to play out the way it plays out, and then you have that moment, and he drops. He goes to Washington, which. Turns out, I'm thinking that's a better situation for him anyway. And he has that great reaction, uh, league done messed up. Uh, so you know Washington's enjoying the fact that they got a kid coming in with a chip on his shoulder, ready to work, mm-hmm. ready to prove people wrong. Uh, even though you're a first-round draft pick, uh, there's still that mentality. It's just amazing sometimes. So a kid doesn't go high enough. He kind of feels he's been slighted. And he's right now a multimillionaire. Yeah, and the other thing to remember is he's from that area. You know, he's originally from Maryland. 
uh, grew up, you know, a, a Skins fan. You know, he's he, it's a perfect scenario for him uh, to get started with his NFL career. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I, I think his, if you're just talking about his arm, if we're just talking about his talent of throwing a football, it, it's hard to imagine a kid coming out of college, even though he only started one season. He only played 14 games in college um, as a starting quarterback. Uh, it's hard to imagine a kid having a better arm than what he has. He's just extraordinary. And uh, what he did with that Ohio State offense this year, they, they smashed every passing record in an offense that still wanted to run the ball. You know what I mean? Like they, It's Ohio State. They had Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins in the backfield. It's not like they were going to ignore those guys. And by the way, Mike Weber is, could potentially come off the board today as a running back. They have that kind of an offense uh, with balance, and yet Haskins was putting up those types of numbers because he didn't only – it was more than just an offensive scheme. It was more than having really good receivers, and he certainly did. His talent is just different, and, and that's – that's why he goes where he goes, and that's why I think he's going to have an elite career. You think that the way the Heisman played out, he he was there, but a lot of people were arguing he was the best quarterback in the uh, in the college game this uh, this up uh, this past season. It just doesn't play out for him. This is now his, I guess, road to redemption, personally, mentally, or we just. Throw that out. I mean, he's just going to be an elite quarterback, and that doesn't matter now. Well, I think the whole Heisman thing does not matter. I mean, none of it matters, right? You know, in terms of, like, chips on shoulders or whatever. You know, guys have to be motivated in their own special way. It doesn't matter. Um, Whether he was or was not the best quarterback in America this year, I guess, depends on how you want to judge. Um, By some metrics, he was, and by some metrics, he was not. Um, And... I don't know that there was a, a significant difference between he and Kyler Murray other than Kyler was a uh, and will continue to be a more dynamic runner of a football uh, than Dwayne will ever be. But Dwayne, I would argue, is going to put the ball on the money uh, more than any quarterback you know, in this draft or maybe in the last couple drafts. Uh, he's just he's special when it comes to throwing a ball. And it was interesting in the run-up to the draft how many scouts love to get on TV and pick it apart um, about where he's going with the ball and why he's going there and timing. But you really go look and study, and it, it's just hard to imagine uh, a kid in college running an NFL kind of offense. That's what Ryan Day puts together. He came from the NFL um, to help train Dwayne for that level, and it was a brilliant marriage between those two. He's NFL ready, um, and, and I, I can't imagine he will not have success. A little bit nearer and dearer to our heart, of course, uh, yesterday, um, round one, pick 11, crossing our fingers, hoping don't mess this up. I mean, at least that's how I usually go after the draft. I don't know how you do it. but uh, You mean for the Bengals? Yes, I mean for the Bengals. Oh, you you yeah. know what I'm talking uh, yeah. about. Yeah. You know what I'm talking well, about. Well, in terms of the yeah the 11th pick, but I mean, yeah, look, I mean, Haskins was there. And the whole time I'm thinking, well, I mean, here's the best quarterback. They can get him or... You know, they probably won't because, like you said, you're just bracing for impact or something terrible. I actually love the pick. I, I thought they basically went and got the best offensive lineman in America to shore up a really bad offensive line and give Andy Dalton a chance to have more success. So I actually, in terms of a, a you know a second choice, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for it. 
Do the Bengals still look quarterback? I mean, Will Greer's out there. I don't know if he's going to drop to where they're at. Would they even go after a guy like him? Or you know, are they going to try to shore up everything and just make sure that Andy Dalton knows he's the guy and we're going to make sure everything is in place to have him be successful and at the same time still shore up the defense? Well, I think what you got from last night is that, you know, with the with Zach Taylor there as the head coach, I think they feel confident that they're going to be with Andy Dalton this year um, based on that move last night. They weren't in panic mode, the feeling that they had to go get somebody immediately and try to fix the situation. I think they're good with Andy. Um, but I would not, Paul, be surprised at all if they go in rounds uh, three and four looking for another quarterback out there. You know, there's some guys in this draft that I think fit a certain NFL toughness mold Guys like Trace McSorley from Penn State, who really nobody talks about. Uh, but when you watch him in college, um, all he did was make plays and um, you know compete at a really high level and lead his team. And you know he's that kind of uh, that personality that I think can do very well at the league level. So um, you know, would it surprise me at all if they took quarterback today? No, not at all. But uh, I bet I bet they'll have one before the end of the draft. Jared Smalley is joining us, NBC4 sports director out of Columbus, and of course covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, they fall last night overtime, and uh, going back to that, as you were trying to watch everything, cover the game at the same time, keep up with everything else. Uh, what was your impression? It felt like this Columbus wasn't ready, and then it just clicked for him. And even though the result in overtime wasn't what they wanted. You kind of felt good about the Blue Jackets. All right, they've got a shot in this series if they can just do that earlier. Yeah, you're exactly right. It was the start last night that took them off, um, and it there was you completely understand why in retrospect. Uh, you know, Boston's in a routine. Basically, that was Game Eight of a first round series if you want to look at it that way because they're playing every other day, and you know they play Game Seven against Toronto at home. Two days later, they play Game One against Columbus. They're in a rhythm. Uh, going to the practice rink, coming back uh, to TD Garden and playing the game in a rhythm in playoff hockey. Columbus had been off for nine days after the sweep of Tampa, and there was a genuine concern um, about how they would be able to approach the physical elements of the game from the early minutes. Not that they wouldn't get there, but how quickly could they get there? How quickly could they ratchet it up? And uh, Bob, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, their goalie, did an incredible job in the first 10 minutes of weathering the storm um, because he was under siege there. Uh, shots in the first period were 14 to four. And, you know, the one goal they did give up was actually a shorthanded goal. They had a power play. And uh, that came back the other way, a bad turnover, and it gets back in Bob's net on uh, what was a good shot. But, uh, you know, I think you saw enough good elements in periods two and three uh, to make you think that it's going to be a series that might be, you know, seven games just like that uh, that unfolded last night. So big drama. Um, and if, if you have a if you have any rooting interest at all and you have any nervous conditions or heart ailments, do not watch. These games are incredibly stressful. Uh, they're fun stress, but I mean it's it's big drama, big stress, big moments, and this series is gonna be full of that. I don't know if you've seen the numbers, but NBC is definitely the beneficiary of all the stress and all the drama as of late. Uh what was it, best ratings in seven years? Uh, a lot of people are actually tuning in watching this. More people are, are actually getting into this. You know, you have a lot of Game 7s, you have a lot of overtimes, and just the drama of the playoffs, at least the round one. 
uh, seems to be uh, attracting people once again. It doesn't hurt that we had a couple of uh, nice, nasty fights as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know what's funny is they've de-emphasized that part of the game so much now that that we don't even really think that much um, about the, that that physical gritty side of it. I mean, obviously the games are physical and gritty, but you don't necessarily promote that. Uh, it, it's just been really good hockey, and it, you know, it's stunning hockey. You talk about the win from Carolina over Washington, uh, the Islanders sweeping Pittsburgh. How about that? You know, I mean, obviously Columbus's upset is you know extraordinary in its own right, but uh, it's just been a remarkable playoff in terms of not it, forget predictions. I mean, just the way that the games have unfolded, even not just that one team winning, but you know, Columbus won the fourth game against Tampa seven to three. I mean, you know, third period was a one goal game, um, but I mean, it was. You know, they kind of had their way. They were they were the dominant team. They were the team in control. Nobody would have guessed that going into the series. Nobody. So uh, that's what it is. I mean, I think you're seeing you know in different markets. Um, you know, the markets that are that are advancing in this in this tournament so far. You still have Boston. You still have New York. Um, you know, San Jose. So you've got the San Francisco market. You've got some big cities moving on, and then you've got places like Denver and Carolina where. Uh, they haven't been here for a while. Columbus has never been here. So you have that renewed excitement from fan bases that have been a little dormant for a while, and I think that's the result you're seeing. Jared Smalley is our guest from NBC4 in Columbus. He has uh, got the great task of covering not only uh, everything going on with the Blue Jackets right now, of course, uh, day two, day three. I'm sure you'll be keeping an eye out on the draft. you got Ohio State football season right around the corner. We've got Marshall right around the corner here as well, as you you well know. And tomorrow's the green and white game, uh, which um, really is just a controlled scrimmage. And you, you, you know that from years past as well. So uh, even though football seems to be winding down, it seems to be ramping right back up. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that. Who you got in the green-white scrimmage? Um, I'm I'm taking nobody because it's going to be Doc Holliday's calling a play and then calling another play and running it, and it's it's not going to be a game. It's completely okay. a controlled controlled scrimmage. But they're doing a All flag. Right. They're doing a flag football game beforehand. I don't know the complete roster of that. I'll just root for you know everybody. No, who's in the flag football game though? Um, I haven't got a list total yet. I know. Uh, I know there's some guys like, is coming it celebrities in. Celebrities or is it? Like it's a, it's older players. guys it's a, it's former pl- herd players that's what you're asking oh okay. yeah it's former yeah. herd players uh, they haven't really sent a uh, okay here's who's confirmed here's who's signed up a total list that hasn't come out yet so uh, maybe there's going to be some surprises you know maybe we'll see a Rakeem Cato maybe not I know we're not going to see a Dave Walsh who has told me he okay. is under a total uh, concussion protocol from years ago okay. um, you know we might see some guys who are in the area it's um. It's a fun thing to do, I think, to have some of the older guys, some of the guys you used to see come back, play some flag football for an hour, and then you get the uh, scrimmage. That sounds like a pretty quality day. I mean, heck, if I'm if I'm in Huntington, I'm driving there. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's not bad. Fountain ceremonies at, uh, I believe, 11 a.m. Uh, Steve Williams mm-hmm. will be the uh, speaker tomorrow as they turn the fountain on. So, really, hopefully if the weather holds, it'll be a nice day for herd fans. And, of course, the, awesome. the, the tailgate lots open, I believe, at 9 a.m., and you know there'll be herd fans already there. There should be, as I would expect. So, yeah, that's great, man. I mean, I'm excited. I think it's going to be, you know, a transitional year, obviously, but I I like it. I I like, you know, when you think about recruiting and how difficult it is sometimes, um, you got 
Doc gets a lot of flack, but I got to tell you, I think he's done nothing short of a remarkable job just just feeding that beast and the way he's got to compete for players. And I think he's done um, just extraordinary work. I'm actually good friends with a, a, an old recruiting nemesis of his uh, from the road. And uh, he, he has great stories about Doc and, and his work ethic and uh, you know what he's done, especially recruiting South Florida in the Miami area and what he's done. And uh, I'm excited. I think it's, you know, I know people, you know, people are, you know, they, they'll tear a football coach a new one every weekend. Uh, but boy, I think Doc's just been great. Yeah, I think there's really just this, they flew under the radar for a while because while the majority of their, their practices were going on, you know, we were all still in basketball mode with the uh, CIT and you know, just seeing the uh, final few games of John Elmore, C.J. Burks, Rondell Watson, yep. seeing those guys play for the for the final time and, and watching Marshall win uh, the championship of the uh, CIT. And so I can't think football flew under the radar for a little while, which uh, I think they liked that a little bit because the attention was not on them. It was on basketball, and now people are just getting excited again because now it's fully football. Right, but for all of us who are Marshall people, that's the thing that we want. Um, it is okay for football to take a back seat every now and again because we want a dynamic basketball program. We want, we want both. You know, it's okay to want everything. Um, sometimes you don't get it, but we should strive for that. And the fact that you know the basketball program rose up the past couple of years, won an NCAA tournament game, um, and then obviously won a championship in a postseason tournament this year. You you look at at the importance of that in the community. You saw what what Mar- heard fans showed up in droves to watch them play, you know, a, you know, a, a borderline, you know, postseason tournament because they wanted to see passion. They wanted to see championship basketball. They wanted to see them progress and, uh, and, and, and get that feeling back. And that has been the best part about what's happened in basketball season the last few years. It's been exciting to follow the race and see where they are in the CUSA standings. And, you know, the style of play with a guy like John Elmore just has been, uh, wildly entertaining. It's okay for football to take a backseat. Ever now we get baseball rolling. You know we get that new stadium built. I'm telling you, Paul. I'm telling you, momentum. You've seen the plans for that. Of course, you've seen the plans for that that stadium. It looks of nice. It looks beautiful. Of course, I can't wait. To, I mean, that's one of those one of those deals where you know, hopefully, it's an opportunity to bring minor league baseball back to Huntington, and you know, hopefully, that's an opportunity to get people. Um, you know, down at the ballpark in the summertime and, you know, in downtown and enjoying themselves. That's a, that's a, that's a can't miss scenario. So that, that really excites me. And you really can speak to that because uh, with the arena going in with the Blue Jackets, uh, that revitalized the entire district of Columbus. And, you know, I try to point that out that this is what can happen here on maybe a smaller scale, but this still can happen if you build around that sports facility, not just here's a stadium, here you go, actually turn that into something that anchors something else. Well, let me give you a big, a, a even better example of that. Just down the block from Nationwide Arena is the uh, Clippers Stadium, Columbus Clippers, the uh, AAA affiliate to the Indians. Their stadium is gorgeous. It's called Huntington Park, and it's two blocks down. Um, they're on Nationwide Boulevard in the Arena District of Columbus. That is one of the finest minor league baseball stadiums in America, built with um, a number of, of interesting little takeaways from other stadiums around the country. They kind of built them into the same facility. They average about ten grand a night, and it is cheap, family, fun, entertainment, 
easy to do. It gets people in the district and out of the district and in the restaurants and the bars and all those things. And it keeps it happening all year round. So you have the hockey during the winter and the spring. Baseball picks up in the spring, carries through the summer and into the fall. And it, it creates a steady stream of traffic. Sports is the tie-in. People love to come out. They love to spend their entertainment dollar on something um, that is unpredictable, that's fun. And I'm just saying, like to me, it doesn't matter the city size. It could happen in Huntington. I think you build a great facility. You get people excited. It doesn't matter whether it's the biggest level or the smallest level. You give people a reason to come out. You give them um, you know, motivation to be a part of, of something that's bigger than them. Um, it's, it's a really cool thing. And that's why sports are different. They, sports bring people together. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's great for cities, and I would love to see it catch on in Huntington. Jared Smalley, our guest, NBC4 in Columbus. You can follow him, of course, on Twitter. And uh, he uh, covers uh, Ohio State, covers the Blue Jackets, uh, the Bengals uh, in his spare time since, well, uh, that's a lifelong commitment. That's not a job. That is a, that is just a dedicated commitment to cover them, the pain and agony they bring us every day. <laughs> Almost. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I um, I'm just excited to be able to talk to you here in a few months, years. I don't know when we can actually talk about the FC Cincinnati and the Columbus Crew getting together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'll be something. Won't it? The hell is real rivalry. Is like, that you, what you know? The you know the background behind that. Give me that. Give me that. Okay. So uh, on I-71 between Cincinnati and Columbus, there's a billboard. When you drive south from Columbus to Cincinnati, and it is, it's it's a religious organization. I don't know, um, I don't know the backing behind it. I don't know where, but it has been there for years, and it is a billboard beside the road that simply says "Hell is real." That's it. People driving back and forth between the cities have seen it for like forever, and so when somebody was trying to think of a connection between the two cities. That idea came out uh, like, hey, that's the thing that everybody sees. And so somebody came up with the idea. It's one of those classic Twitter things like, hey, why don't we just call it the Hell is Real rivalry? And it is actually sticking. Like, they're really going to call it that. And it is, oh, my gosh, it's so stupid. It's good. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it has to be stupid to be good. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Um, I think that that's right up there with the 100 miles of hate between uh, Western Kentucky and, uh, and Middle Tennessee. I think that's right up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, that, that, that's where good, good rivalries are born in stupid things, you know? I've always thought that. I mean, the best rivalries are born in things that when you try to explain it to a rational person, uh, they look at you like you've got a lot of problems. Jared Smalley, our guest, NBC4 Columbus. Hey, man, I, I'm, I'm glad we could do this today. It's, uh, it's been fun. Always a treat for me to get to talk to you and to have fun in Boston, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you maybe soon here in a week or so if uh, the Blue Jackets advance. I... I doomed the uh, the last team I had an expert on. Um, they got swept, the Penguins. So um, I, it's my fault if the Blue Jackets go down. I'm sorry. You know, maybe you could have told me that before the interview, Paul. I think I did on Twitter. You just weren't paying attention. Yeah, that, now there's an excellent chance that's true. <laughs> yeah, you just weren't paying attention. That's, that's on you. I did warn you. I did warn you. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, but you know what? Well, you could break the curse. Nah, you know, there's the first time for everything. So, I mean, the Jackets are breaking a lot of curses right now. So we'll see if it holds up. But the game is on uh, TV tomorrow night. It'll be on Channel 3 in the uh, Huntington Charleston area. And, uh, you know, check it out. If you haven't seen the Jackets play, um, you'll love John Tortorella, their head coach. Awesome figure. And uh, just enjoy it. Just embrace it. Become a fan. Get on board. Why not? 
<laughs> let me ask you before I let you go, because uh, I, I got to know how how much fun is it to cover Torts? Because of course, uh, at one point he was a Rangers fa- uh, guy. So uh, I, I just got right. I got to yeah. know. He's awesome. He's absolutely awesome, and I think he has evolved over the years. Uh, obviously, he was known for his volatility, and you know he's just—he's not crazy, but I mean, he's had you know those moments in his career that come off as crazy. I love him. I absolutely love him, and his fit for Columbus is perfect. His energy and his ability to see the broader picture of you know a Stanley Cup playoff run and how to make it happen. His vision of the game, teaching young players how to play, how to be professionals. He is an absolute, I mean, it's hard to beat him. He's just really good at it. And the difference in Columbus is he doesn't have to deal with, you know, crazy media situations and, you know, some of the stuff he's had to deal with in his career. Um, He just, he can coach the team. He's got a great situation. He could probably coach the team as long as he wants. I mean, you know, they just, we absolutely in that city, they love the guy and they should. He's a great fit. And, um, you know, it's just it's a good thing for both he and the city that they're kind of married together. Jared Smalley, our guest, NBC4 Columbus, good son of Marshall. And uh, looking forward to uh, following your coverage of the Blue Jackets and the Bruins. Talk to you soon, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, Paul. I'll see you, buddy. Jared Smalley, once again, he um, definitely is uh, a guy you should follow if you want to keep an eye out on even the Bengals, of course, the, the Blue Jackets, everything uh, you can think of in Ohio. He's got his hands on it, or at least uh, he's going to uh, talk a little bit about it. So we'll talk to him hopefully here in the next few weeks. We'll come back and continue on with today's edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Buckle up. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Friday edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You guys excited for the weekend? Get a little hurt football, at least a, a sliver of it, a taste of it. I'm sure some of you have been excited for days now that you get to dust off the tailgate setup, get it ready, send it through its spring game paces, make sure that it's still functional, get ready to go bright and early. You're going to be there on the tailgate lot, set up, fired up, ready to go. And I hope you actually go in the stadium. That's just on my. That's just me. Just me. Actually, lock up the tailgate kit for a while. Go inside the stadium. You might as well. You're already there. But here's what's going to happen. You got choose your seat. That's coming up. You've got the flag football game. That's coming up as well. Uh, tickets five dollars tomorrow. Westlot parking twenty dollars. The green and white scrimmage. So you've got options. And of course, don't forget if you're going tomorrow and you're going early. You've got the fountain ceremony at 11 a.m. Now, this is different than the fall fountain ceremony. This is the spring fountain ceremony. And it's a little different because you're turning the fountain on. And it's sort of symbolic of renewed life. It's sort of symbolic that football has continued on. It's not a solemn day. It's a little bit more of a positive, brighter note. And... You can take something bright from everything that happened. And for a lot of people, November 14th, 1970 is still vivid and real. And for for the majority of us, it's something we've been told about. 
It's something we heard about. It's something we learned about. It's something that we read about. It's not vivid and real. We weren't there. We didn't experience it. We didn't go through it. And as much as you learn about it, as much as you read about it, as much as you're told about it, uh, if you weren't there, you weren't there. And you don't know. You can only approximate. You can only guess. You can only imagine. You can only try to interpret what that was like. And a guy like Steve Williams, he can talk about it because he's a byproduct of what happened next. So that's why you get a guy like him. I, I was thought of, I really thought about getting him on the show, but uh, I don't know if I wanted to really have him just preview what is going to happen tomorrow. But he's a guy that um, got an opportunity to um, to carry on the Thundering Herd football legacy, and he was given a chance to play football, and he's always kept that. And it's definitely that um, it's it still means something. It still means something. And so this is a brighter ceremony. Just to be fair, it really is. It's a brighter ceremony. So that's a part of it tomorrow. So if you're there, if you're tailgating, walk over. Go see the ceremony just a little bit. Just be a part of it because it's a it's a different deal altogether. But that's just part of what's happening tomorrow. Of course, you get to uh, see a little bit of the Thundering Herd in a controlled situation. I really, I really wish that they would just, just play a game. But there's so many things that, that could go wrong. There are so many things where you're sitting there going, what, why are, no, we're just going to do our scrimmage. We're going to do our controlled scrimmage here. I don't know. I kind of like to see a game. It's fun watching some of the other schools. You actually have a game. You actually have something that you can put on TV or you can put on streaming. You can actually put something on. And people might tune in. I don't know. I heard fans across the country might tune in to watch. Put it on. Just put it on ESPN+. Plus. Throw it up there. I thought that would be something that would be really cool because you get to see – now, if you're a faraway fan, you're not um, you're not going to be able to really see it. But you kind of would like to, and I get that. I get that it's not really that type of situation. That's just me wishing that hey, you know this this would be a little bit more fun if this was just a an actual hey here's a here's a game here's a scrimmage. Now, again, it's going to be a situation where it's going to be controlled. They're going to get what they need to get out of this, and then it's going to be over. And then after that, there's going to be an opportunity for you to get on the field. I know autographs are going to be a big part of this as well. Uh, and uh, that's cool because, you know, I like seeing these kids that uh, show up. I mean, I'm talking about the youngsters. They show up and you know, they kind of know who these guys are. Maybe they don't. They just know that um, they like football. He, and here's a guy. He signed him my poster. And then they realize uh, probably a couple years later, oh, hey, that's my guy. Uh, become big fans. I've seen it all around, signing jerseys and stuff like that. Um, I do get a kick though out of um, out of the guys who um, are there, and they've got a handful of footballs, not just one football, like a handful of footballs, just a whole bunch of stuff. And okay, I get that. That's for your personal collection. Sure, I get that totally. Not. Looking for some future retail value out of that? No, not at all. This is for you and your your five rooms, your five individual footballs there. Uh, I get it. It's a fun event. 
everybody's got a reason for showing up, and it's going to happen tomorrow. And, of course, uh, I will tell you this. Uh, after this is done, you're going to be um, – you're going to be jonesing for some football for a few months. So get it in now if you want to see some football before it's uh, all said and done. Because uh, after this, the the NFL will assert itself for a little while, and then college football will ramp back up. And uh, that's what's coming up tomorrow. And the Thundering Herd will uh, wrap up their practice season with the green and white scrimmage. But I do recommend, hey, go over to the fountain ceremony tomorrow. In all seriousness, I know we kid around sometimes, especially on a Friday, but go over, be a part of that. If you're if you're there, you're tailgating, I mean, really go there. Just take an hour, just go over, see what's going on, be a part of that, and then uh, head back in to go do your festivities. And that's going to do it for this edition of the show. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday to do it all over again. So until then, enjoy your weekend, everyone. Pittsburgh Pirates Baseball, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.